be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. With that being said, I want to preach to you from a sermon titled, Are You Living Wisely? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that you uh, have appointed us to, to come and to hear from your word. Um, Lord, we pray and we ask that you would bless us. Um, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts to hear from you this morning. Uh, we ask that you would speak directly into them and that you would spur us uh, to act on what we know to be true uh, from your word. Lord, we ask that you help us to block everything out. We ask that you help us uh, to speak boldly um, on your behalf. Lord, we ask that you help us uh, in areas where we struggle to hear you, uh, to hear you better. We ask that you help us to block out every single distraction uh, that there can be uh, and that we allow our singular focus to be on you. Um, Lord, we pray and we ask that you continue to work on us and bless us through your words. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Are you living wisely? Um, you know, this, uh, this is sort of an interesting topic, um, you know, and, and um, when I was asked to preach and, you know, I went to God and I, I asked, you know, what he would have me to preach on, um, you know, this, this particular topic came top of mind and, um, you know, it, it's funny how God works because there are some times when, you know, I will, uh, I'll be praying and I'll get this message and I'll sit down in front of a computer and knock this thing out. Two hours, got a basic outline done, and then I'm just going back and studying and refining, studying and refining. Um, and that's how that process has worked for me for a long time. Um, but I will tell you, uh, there are times uh, like this week where it was very difficult. Um, it was difficult because I, I, I couldn't see where God was going with the message. And, you know, it, it, was, it was hard because, like, I'm trying to figure it out. And how many, I, I can't tell you how many times I had to write and rewrite and write and rewrite and try to see the big picture. And I just could not. Um, you know, and I got to a point where I just had to say, you know what, God, I'm just going to go ahead and trust you because I don't know where you're going with this message, but I know it's your message and you want to speak to your people. Um, so, you know, I, um, uh, I can assure you that I have something very important to say because I can see a little bit of it now, but um, uh, it wasn't so clear to me last night when I was trying to bang this thing out and finish it. Um, you know, one o'clock this morning, um, you know, and I have been working on this thing for like two weeks and usually it's not that long of a process, but uh, it was, and it was a, a very, um, very time consuming, very tough process for me to sort of wrap my head around. Um, but I, I can assure you that uh, God can bless you through this message if you allow him to, okay? Um, so. Let's go back to our opening text. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, uh, verse 15, it says, So be careful how you live. Let's pause there for a second. So 
Um, this letter is being written to uh, the church at Ephesus, and um, it's being written to a group of Christians, okay? And it's telling us to be careful how we live. Uh, can somebody tell me why it's important that we take note of this? Because the reality is, like, yes, we always need to be careful in how we live, but this is being told to Christians, right? So why are they being told to be careful? Because they don't. Because we don't always live careful, right? So here's the thing. Um, you know, it's so funny because I, I hear pastors say this a lot, and, and I, I've heard, um, I have a business mentor uh, that I've heard say this, uh, this particular phrase before, and it's so true. Um, you know, and, and he says that, you know, a lot of times we don't need to, um, we don't need to learn something new as much as we need to be reminded of the stuff that we already know. Okay, because the reality is like we live, uh, we live based on a set of uh, routines that we have. Okay, uh, most people when they get up in the morning, they get up, go use the restroom, go grab coffee, uh, they go ahead and get dressed, they brush their teeth. Like there are different routines that we have, okay, that we live by, uh, but we don't often think about those routines as to whether or not they are uh, something that is going to be done carefully or, you know, uh, uh, without care. A lot of times we just go based on, like, what's in front of us. Got to get to work? All right, so there's a couple things that I need to do before I go to work. All right? Um, so here's the reality. If we are not intentional about how we live, it's very easy for us to go from living carefully to not living so carefully. Okay? So, uh, the Bible goes on in the second part of this verse, and it tells us how some people live and then how some people, uh, uh, how some other people live. Because it says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. All right? And I got to thinking about this, and it, it, it's, it's interesting because the Bible has a lot to say about living foolishly and, and living wisely. Uh, especially when we go and we look at the book of Proverbs, okay? So the first part of this where it says don't live like fools, okay, is the warning part of this verse, okay? Uh, we talk a lot about having, uh, uh, having an eye for the commands and the, uh, 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 the commands and the promises that God has for us. Well, this is a command, okay? It says don't live like fools, Okay, um, so I want to help us to understand this difference between living foolishly and then living wise. Okay, because the Bible has a ton to say on this topic. And when we really look at it, everything comes down to a choice. Okay, this is an either or uh, choice that we make. We can choose to live like fools or we can choose to live like those who are wise. All right. The problem is uh, wisdom, if we can all agree, like wisdom is in short uh, uh, supply nowadays. OK. Um, but foolishness, like you can get that by the gallon. Go to Walmart. Right. Um, like that's a reality. OK. We see a bunch of foolish stuff happening on TV, 
um, you know, at our jobs, like in our own homes, like it's very abundant, right? But wisdom, wisdom takes a certain amount of intentionality in order to reach. And I'm going to show us um, how that process works today, okay? Uh, Because as the body of Christ, we are commanded to live carefully and to not live like fools, okay? So we're going to delve into that process a little bit, and I kind of, I kind of want to start from, um, uh, uh, start from a big picture view, and then kind of drill down here, um, because the reality is like you got to define these terms properly in order for us to get to the right, uh, the right place, okay? Um, and when we talk about being wise or having wisdom, okay, there's a difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom, right? So here's the thing. Um, We're going to take a look at those now, but I have to tell you, like, there is some value in having worldly wisdom. Like, uh, I would say everyone in here would probably agree that it's probably not wise to walk out into a, a uh, a very busy intersection uh, with cars whizzing by you going in, you know, 45, 50 miles per hour, right? So, uh, yeah, there's value in having that kind of worldly wisdom, okay? But here's the reality. If we continually put worldly wisdom up against godly wisdom and value that worldly wisdom more than we value godly wisdom, we're going to be messed up, okay? Because nothing... There's nothing that we should ever place above the wisdom that God has for us, and the application of that wisdom is so important, okay? So let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we are going to take a look uh, and see about this worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom, all right? So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, says the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Verse 19 says, as the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Let's pause there for a second. So this is actually a direct quote from God saying that he's going to destroy the wisdom of the wise. And what he's talking about here is the wisdom of man, okay? He's talking about the intelligence of men, okay? Because it goes on in the next verse, verse 20. It says, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? We we all agree that these are kind of smart people, yeah? Okay, So it says, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Okay? And here's the reality. Like, the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 1 how men in their own sinfulness got away from God even having seen all of God's invisible qualities his invisible abilities through all of creation 
and how they chose to live like fools in spite of everything that they had already seen about God, okay? And these verses kind of speak to that because it goes to show us that regardless of how much intelligence that you have, regardless of how much wisdom you think you have, you are never more intelligent than God. You are never more wise than God, okay? God tells us this for a reason. It's because sometimes we think we are smarter than God, more intelligent than God, wiser than God. But the reality is that even if you think that, you're an utter fool. Utter fool. Okay? And, like, if we look at our opening text, it tells us, that we ought to be careful in how we live because we don't want to live like a fool, okay, and think that we are smarter than God, more intelligent than God, more wise than God, okay, but we ought to live wisely, okay? And the wisdom that he's talking about is his wisdom, okay? So let's move on to, um, let's move on to James. We'll go to James chapter 1. Um, because now that we know that there's a difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom, we need to understand how do we get godly wisdom, because ultimately that's the goal, okay? Um, so in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, okay? So going back to the first part of this verse, if you need wisdom, now this takes a person knowing uh, that they are not wise. This takes a person humbling themselves to the fact that they are not as intelligent as God, that they are not as smart as God, that they are not as wise as God, to say to themselves, you know what, God, I need wisdom, okay? And the Bible says that when we ask God, that he will give it to us. So the question is this, like we all deal with issues, we all have our own problems and whatnot, but like how often are we asking God for wisdom in those problems, in those issues? How often are we coming to him and saying, you know what, God, I don't know where to go on this. I don't know what I should do, but I know you do. Okay? I need your help to see the path. I need your help to walk the path. I need your help to get there because I don't know where to start, okay? But here's the thing. It takes a heart that is willing to be humble, that is willing to walk in humility in order to get there. Because a lot of times when we try to use our own wisdom, it's because we are being prideful in our own situation. And we're saying, no, God, I got this. I can do it. Yeah, maybe. You, you may be able to do it. But is it better for you to do it in your own wisdom or is it better to you, for you to do it in God's wisdom? Okay? That's the big question. Okay? And that's the question that we have to answer every single time across the board. Okay? So this here tells us that we need to ask God for wisdom. And, I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, um, I mean, I've been saved now 
since 2013, okay? Um, as a matter of fact, my spiritual birthday is coming up soon. Uh, April 15th of 2013 is when I got saved. Um, and I've been reading this book ever since then. Um, and, you know, in spite of the fact that I've read, you know, the Bible from cover to cover, uh, and there are certain sections of the Bible that I have read pretty extensively, like, I still have to go through this process because I need to ask God for wisdom to lead me to do the things that I need to do. Like, you don't get away from that just because you've read the book enough, whatever that means. Like, that right there, that mindset is foolishness. That is totally not God's wisdom. God does not want us to read that book so much that we get prideful in our own accomplishments of having read it and then step away from him. That's not where God wants us. God wants us to get to that point where we realize, because we've read that book so much, that we continually realize that we need to keep working our way towards his wisdom. Period. Like, that's where he wants us, and that's where we need to be. But we don't always go that route. Like, that's just the truth. Right? So, James uh, tells us this. He reminds us of this because this was not the first time that someone in the Bible had to ask for wisdom. Okay? Um, so, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 2 and, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 1. And we're going to look at King Solomon. Now, uh, King Solomon uh, is the son of King David. And at this particular point in time, he is, his father had passed away, and he was stepping into uh, the leadership role within the nation of Israel to become their king. Okay? And he knew enough from how his father lived and how his father walked with God uh, to know that he needed to do the same thing. Okay? But he also knew that he was not prepared to do uh, uh, or to rule the way that his father had ruled. Okay? So this is a conversation that he and God had. And uh, let's see how this plays out. So in verse 7, the Bible says this. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Verse 8. Solomon replied to God, you showed great and faithful love to David, my father, and now you have made me king in his place. O oh Lord God, please continue to keep your promise to David, my father, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Verse 10 says, give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead them properly. For who could possibly govern this great people of yours? Let's pause there for a second. So God comes to Solomon and he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Right? And, you know, it's, it's funny because like, I think about that question and I think about the, the context uh, with which God asked Solomon. Now, Solomon, he was already wealthy because he was the king. Okay, he was already in a position of power, again, because he was king. Okay, uh, he already had people looking up to him and 
doing things for him because, again, he was king. Okay, so God comes to him and he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? And Solomon takes a moment to think about it, and then he comes back to God and he asks him for two things. He asks him for wisdom and knowledge so that he could lead the people properly. So Solomon he could have been super prideful. He could have been like, God, just bless me with more riches. Make sure that my, my reign uh, lasts for 100,000 years. Like, he could have asked for that, but he didn't. He asked out of humility for wisdom and knowledge because he knew he didn't have those things, and he knew he would need them in order to lead the people properly. Okay? Now, this is interesting to me because, again, like, what did he have to want for? Like, Solomon didn't have to, to want for uh, somebody to uh, 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 take care of him and feed him. Like, people were going to do that anyway because he was the king, okay? Uh, Solomon didn't have to want for protection because people were going to do that, again, because he was the king, okay? But he asked for the thing that he knew his father had. Okay, the wisdom and the knowledge to lead the people properly. Okay, and he asked for it out of humility. So now watch what happens next. We go on to verse 11. The Bible says, God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people, and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people, verse 12 says, I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I also will give you wealth, riches, and fame, such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. Go back to verse 11 for me, please. So, God, knowing knowing what Solomon was going to answer anyway, okay? He asks him, what do you want? All right, Solomon responds to him that he wants the wisdom and the knowledge to properly lead the people, right? And then because that was his greatest desire, okay, it says that God blessed him with it, okay? And here's the thing, like, I, I think about this, and I, I always try to, to draw from the text and put it into our own uh, uh, sort of situation. It's like, how often are we doing this? Like, how often are we asking God for wisdom and knowledge uh, in order to lead the people in our house properly? Okay, those of us that are parents, right? How often, gentlemen, uh, how often are we asking God for the wisdom and knowledge to lead our spouse in our marriages, right? How often are we asking God for the wisdom and knowledge if we are in management, like in the workforce, uh, for the knowledge and the wisdom to lead those people properly, right? This text doesn't just have implications for those who are within the political realm. This text has implication for those who us, 
for those of us that are Christians in every aspect of our lives. Okay? We ought to be asking God for the wisdom and the knowledge to do the things that he would cause us to do because those are godly wisdom, or that is godly wisdom that we would be applying. Okay? So the second part, or the middle part of this verse, I should say, it says that he didn't, it says everything he didn't ask for. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for the death of his enemies. He didn't ask for a long life. Like, he didn't ask for any of that, but he could have. But those weren't his greatest desire. So, again, I have to come back to real-world context and, and bring it home and, and ask, like, what is your greatest desire? And does it align with what God would have you to do? Okay? Because the reality is this. Like, we can go to God if we are children of God. We can go to God boldly and come before his throne of grace, like the Bible tells us. And we can ask for anything. But are we going to be blessed in doing so because our greatest desire is in the right place? Okay? Like, yeah. I could easily go to God today in prayer and be like, you know what, God, it'd be great if I hit the, the lotto for like $25 million. Like, that'd be wonderful, right? I think every person in the room would agree, like, my bank account could use a little refresh, right? Okay. Uh, but here's the reality. Like, first of all, if that's our greatest desire, we're missing the mark because, you know, we are trading God's goodness, God's greatness, God's wisdom, uh, everything that God has to offer us for something that is created. Okay, and there's a huge problem with that going on in the world today. Okay, and it has been for quite some time. All right, so we have to understand that the blessing of God that comes by way of having his wisdom and his knowledge come because that needs to be at the forefront of our desires. Okay, because when it is not, Okay, it's very easy for us to focus on the wealth, the riches, the fame, um, the ease and grease that come with living, you know, uh, this picture-perfect life. But, like, that's not what we're called to do. The Bible talks about how in this life we will have pain, we will have suffering, um, and that that pain and suffering, it will only last for a short while compared to eternity. Okay. Because if we are children of God and we are going to stand before God in heaven one day and we are going to commune with God, like, that is so much better than being in the here and now, okay? And this is temporary, okay? Some of the people in this room are further along in their lives than others, but nobody knows when they're going to pass, okay? Like, as far as chronological age, yeah, I'm 45 years old. I see some people in this room that are younger than me, but nobody knows how long they have. Okay? So if our focus in the here and now is for the desires of God rather than the desires of men, like, that's what it needs to be. Okay? So, coming back to this, in verse 12, it says, I will certainly give you the wisdom and the knowledge you requested. Okay, just like it said in James, uh, James 1, 5, okay, it told us that if we were to ask God, 
that he would give us that wisdom, this is a long-term or, or a long-term precedent that had been set even going back to King Solomon, okay? Because God says here, I will certainly give you the wisdom and the knowledge you requested. Why? Because that was what God desired for him, and that was because that was Solomon's greatest desire, all right? So when our desires align with what God's desires are for us, he will certainly bless us, okay? So next part of the verse, it says, but I will also give you wealth, riches, fame, such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future, okay? Solomon not only was the wisest man that ever lived, but he was the richest man that ever lived. And you can count that, take it to the bank, uh, against inflation. I don't care how you measure it back then or now. Bible says that no other king has had uh, uh, fame such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. Um, so he had more wealth, more riches, more fame than any other king ever, past or present. Account for inflation, do whatever you want to do, okay? And God chose to bless him that way. Now, does that mean that God is going to bless us that way? No, probably not. Uh, because, like, if that were the case, then all these prosperity gospels that you would hear out there on the radio and see on TV, like people would be getting blessed left and right. And like, I can't imagine that there would be any non-Christians on the planet if that were the case. Like it'd be a fool's dream to think that you could do it any other way outside of God. If God was blessing people left and right like that, like for real. Okay. So, you know, we have to understand that that blessing was specifically for Solomon. Now, does that mean that God can't do it? No, absolutely. God can do it. But again, it's got to be within his will and it's got to be his desire for you to have it. Not just yours. Okay. So. Now. When we ask for wisdom. Okay. Um, God will take us along this pathway to get the wisdom. Now, certainly God can can go ahead snap his fingers, go ahead and bless us right then and there. But for most people, I think that wisdom tends to come another way, okay? And I'm going to take you through the book of Proverbs, and I'm going to show you how this works, okay? Because um, there is a path to wisdom uh, that generally comes, uh, you know, to people. And the funny thing is, like, we're always on this path, and we're always in one area or another, okay? Um, but hopefully today, you know, we'll get a better understanding as to how that works, okay? Um, so, you know, go ahead and put the picture up. There we go. All right. So here's how this path to wisdom generally works, okay? Um, we have to get knowledge. We have to understand that knowledge, okay? We have to apply what's called discernment, which is good decision-making, okay? And then we have to act in wisdom, okay? Uh, so when we go down this path, this is typically how this whole thing occurs. And let me show you how this works. Um, so, like, we started out in our opening text, and uh, 
we were looking at the difference between fools and those who are wise. So let's take a look at, at foolishness first. Um, let's go to let's go to Proverbs chapter nine, uh, looking at verse thirteen. Um, so, in the book of Proverbs, um, you will see wisdom mentioned. Uh, you'll see wisdom or uh, the act of being wise mentioned roughly around 145 times um, throughout the course of 31 books. And if you do the math on that, that's roughly about 4.669 uh, times per book. Um, so with that being said, like, it's kind of important. Like if God tells you that many times in such a short period of time, it's pretty important, okay, that we understand this whole concept of wisdom versus being foolish, okay? Now, Specifically in, in, in the ninth book, ninth book in Proverbs, um, it shows the difference between wisdom and what's called folly, okay? Uh, and folly is, uh, or the way that you would sort of conceptualize folly is that it's, it's the act of being foolish, okay? And one of the... the uh, the literary techniques that the Bible uses is something called personification. So it gives uh, human characteristics to words like wisdom and folly. And in this particular chapter, uh, or excuse me, in this particular book inside the Proverbs, it does both. It talks about wisdom as a person, and it also talks about folly as a person. This is what it has to say about folly. It says, the woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and does not know it. Okay? So I've told you guys before, there's two types of ignorance that are uh, running rampant in the earth. And one of them is this type of ignorance here, uh, where the person doesn't know something. Okay? So... Uh, they're unaware of something, so they just don't know, okay? So, like, if I'm driving down the street and I happen to pull out into the roadway, I don't see any sort of uh, 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 speed signs, and, like, I decide to go 50 going down the road, but the speed limit is actually 35. I'm ignorant of the fact that the speed limit is 35 because I haven't seen anything posted. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant in that regard. Okay, but now there's a second type of ignorance that is uh, probably more rampant, uh, more prevalent, and let me show you what that looks like. Go to Proverbs uh, chapter 1, at verse 7, and the Bible says this, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So let's focus on the second part of this verse, because it says, fools despise wisdom. How many of you know that there are people out there that are willfully ignorant? Okay. Uh, how many of you guys have heard the, the, the phrase, I don't care what you say, I'm going to believe what I want to believe anyway. Right? So here's the thing. In that particular instance, it's not that the person doesn't know something. Okay. It's that the person has heard that piece of information and they've chosen to reject it. Okay? So it's not for a lack of knowledge. It is truly 
because the person doesn't want to believe, okay? And think about that, right? Uh, how many times have you tried to share the gospel with family members or friends and them say, oh, well, that may be good for you, but that's not right for me, right? Uh, how many times have you tried to, <laughs> I mean, how many, how many parents in the room have tried to uh, share wisdom with their kids and their kids reject it? Like it happens, okay? And it's not, again, it's not for lack of knowledge, okay? It's a heart issue at that point. They don't want to believe, okay? So here's the thing, all right? Um, you know, regardless of whether or not a person is ignorant because they just don't know something or they're ignorant because they've heard something but they choose to reject it, they are still no closer to being wise as a result, right? So... We got to learn how to get off of this foolishness and this ignorance, okay? The only way for us to do that is to seek out knowledge, all right? So let me show you how that looks, okay? Uh, go to Proverbs 15, at verse 14, and the Bible says this. A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. <laughs> so there's a lot of different ways I can go with this. But I'll keep it simple. Let's look at the first part of verse first. It says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge. Okay. Um, I want you to think about when the last time it was that you read a book, that you searched on the Internet, uh, that you asked a question from a friend um, uh, in order to get some piece of information that you didn't have. And then I want you to think about um, why you went and you did that, okay? Because most of the time when we go in search of information, it's because we want to know something, okay? But the reality is this. You have to have the willingness to learn. If you lack the willingness to learn, all of that goes out the window. You stay ignorant, and that is not where God wants you to be, okay? So the second part of this verse says, while the fool feeds on trash, what are you feeding on? What are you feeding yourself with every day? Okay? I told you before, there's a lot of distractions that we can have over the course of a day. Uh, how often are we feeding on the trash that's in social media? How often are we feeding on the trash that is in the news, on the television? How often are we feeding on the trash that is reality TV, whatever that is, right? How often are we feeding on trash? Because the Bible here says that fools feed on trash. How often, <clears throat> how often are we feeding ourselves with something that is worthwhile, that is going to feed our spirit, that is going to help us to draw closer to God rather than closer to the world? How often? Like, really? When you can't say amen, you got to say ouch, right? <laughs> but really, think about that. How often? How often are we intentional enough about feeding on the right things that are going to draw us closer to God, that are going to help us to be a blessing to people, that are going to help us to show the love of God when everything else in this world is designed to take it away? How 
often. Right? See, and this is where the intentionality in life comes because we need to be more about the former rather than more about the latter. Right? Because if we are not, it's very easy to just get swept up in everything that happens around us rather than trying to direct the flow of traffic. Okay? It's very easy for us to get swept up in the emotion of what the news has to tell us about any given topic rather than thinking for ourselves, you know what, let me just go ahead and pray for those people and keep it moving. That would be more beneficial than continuing to watch the news for the next hour and a half and just getting all riled up. But we don't do that enough. We continue to feed on the trash. Don't feed yourself trash. Like, you wouldn't do that in the natural like, nobody would want to go into a dumpster and say, hmm, that looks good. Let me take some of that. Like, nobody would do that in natural, but we do that in the spiritual all the time. Right? We got to be better, y'all. Like, we, we have to be more intentional about what we choose to feed on. We have to. Let's go on to Proverbs um, Verse, or excuse me, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 12. The Bible says this. Commit yourself to instruction. Listen carefully to the words of knowledge. Okay? So, again, there goes that word, careful, right? We need to commit to this process of learning we need to commit to this process of continually being reminded of the things that we already know to be true from the word of God. Because when we don't, okay, hunger is not going to go away. While you're here on this planet, your hunger is always going to be there, okay? You may satisfy it for a short period of time, but you're going to get hungry again. Like, to those of you that had breakfast this morning, you will get hungry again and need to eat something at lunchtime, uh, which at this point... We'll get out of here around 3 o'clock. That's good. So, <laughs> I kid. I kid. Maybe 2.30. Um, so, like, our bodies will get hungry again, okay? The same thing happens with our spirit, though, okay? And the tough part is, like, we live so much of our lives outside of the spirit that we don't think about the hunger that happens with us spiritually until something happens where we have to turn to God. And that's the sad part because God is there to give us the abundance of his spirit as long as we are willing to ask, as long as we are willing to step into this here, this process of continual instruction. Okay, continual feeding on the word of God, continually seeking God in prayer, continually singing his praises, continually seeking out the body of Christ so that we can commune with them, continually being in service to people and showing people the tangible love of God. Like these are all the spiritual disciplines that you either have or you lack. Okay, so. Like, we have to remain in a constant state of reflection. Where are we with this? Okay. 
are we doing the things that would draw us closer to God? Are we continually seeking out the knowledge of God? Are we continually, and let me preface this with this. Remember before how God talked about the wisdom of the philosophers, the smart debaters, uh, and, and those really heady people, right? Those people probably had knowledge about God, but they didn't know God. Okay, there's a difference, okay? Uh, because what they were seeking was head knowledge, and he was seeking for them to have heart knowledge, for them to know him at the heart level. Okay? And God seeks that connection with each and every one of us. He doesn't just want you to know something about him. He wants you to know him. There is a big difference. Okay, and we have to understand that difference. Part of the reason why people are so messed up nowadays is because they think they can know God without having had a relationship with him. The only thing you can do is know of God in that instance. Okay? And that's a problem because you walk around with a false sense of security as to where you're actually going to end up when you step foot into eternity. There are many people that know who God is, but they don't know him personally. Okay? So we have to understand it is more about knowing him intimately, having a relationship with him, where we are praying, where we are seeking him through his word, where we are getting to know him and his character and all of what he has for us. And that's where this process starts. Like, we have to realize that we are ignorant and that we need to know him better. Okay? And not just know about him. We need to know him. Okay? Let's move on. Uh, let's go to Proverbs uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 2. The Bible says, now, actually, bring the, bring the picture back up real quick. So, we just talked about knowledge. Now we're going to move on to understanding because that's the next part of it. Because you can get knowledge but not understand a single word. Like, I can come in here and, and I can talk to you uh, about building computers or, or whatever, but some people will get it, some people won't. Okay, so you can get the knowledge but not be any closer to understanding. So let's talk about understanding real quick. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 2 where the Bible says this. It says, tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Let's pause there for a second. So this is a two-part thing. It says, tune your ears to wisdom. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys have listened to the radio recently? Yeah? A few people. They're like, yeah, whatever. I stream stuff on my phone. Okay. Once upon a time, before all these smart devices, uh, people actually used to have to listen to a radio uh, when they were in their car. Um, so if you were listening to that radio in your car, right, you have to tune to a station. You have to specifically look for that station, uh, and then you had to make sure that the signal was clear. So I liken that to this because in the same way, we have to tune into the wisdom of God and block out the stuff from the world, right, in order to get the wisdom of God. And then after that, 
we're commanded to concentrate on understanding, okay? We have to tell ourselves, you know what? I don't necessarily get it, but maybe I need to listen to it over again. And maybe I need to listen to it over again and over again and over again and over again until I get it, until God blesses me with the understanding, right? So, you know, this is why it's so important. Like, we can't just go and look once, okay? We need to go and look over and over and over again and meditate on it and let it wash over our minds continually until we understand it. That's what this process is, okay? It is not just about coming to the point where, oh, okay, yeah, that seems like the wise thing to do. Yeah, sure. Um, If you don't understand it, it'll be in this ear, out the other. Uh, verse 3. <clears throat> then it says, cry out for insight. And again, ask for understanding. So, I don't take for granted that everyone knows what uh, that word insight means. So, let me give you um, a little bit of a, uh, uh, a definition to help us with that. So when we look for insight on something, what we're actually searching for is a depth of knowledge, okay? So we're not just looking for the surface level stuff. We're trying to go deeper than that. Why? Because that leads us to greater understanding, okay? So if I were talking about, I don't know, uh, if I were talking about, like, how to shoot a basketball, for instance, and I ask Hugo to come on up, and I'm going to teach you how to shoot a basketball. And I say to him, all right, pick the ball up, and then I want you to shoot it at the basket. Okay? I didn't give him a whole lot of depth in that explanation. So Hugo's probably going to pick it up, and then he's going to have the craziest of form, and he's probably going to throw the basketball at the rim. Uh, it's probably not going to go in, and then he's going to think I'm the worst teacher of all time. Right? Why? Because I gave him no depth. Okay? God wants us to go deeper than just knowing what a few verses say. He wants us to get it deep on the inside of us and have that understanding because when we have that understanding, we can make better decisions as a result. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but this is all part of this path. Okay? So, verse 4. It says, search for them, okay, wisdom and understanding, Right? Search for them as you would silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Search for them as you would silver. Now, you know, it's, it's very easy uh, to read this verse and just kind of glance by it. But I want to hang out here and I want to show you something and give you some of that insight that we were just talking about, right? So silver... Silver doesn't typically just hang out on the surface of the earth, right? In order to find silver, you have to mine it, meaning you have to be intentional about digging it up, going into the ground, uncovering it, right? So it's telling us that in order to find that wisdom and in order to get that understanding, we need to take that same process. We need to go through the process of uncovering it, going deeper, Okay, because and the second part of this kind of reiterates the same thing. And it says, seek them like hidden treasures. Hidden treasures are not in plain sight. You have to look for them. 
you have to put some effort into finding them. You have to be intentional about where you look. Same thing for us. We want to have that godly wisdom. There's only one true source. We got to be in the book. We got to be in the Bible. We have to be scouring those pages. We have to be digging into the word, and we have to be letting that word get into us. Because the deeper that we go into it, the deeper understanding that we have, the deeper it gets in us and the more that it can affect us for God. Okay? All right. Let's go back to the picture. Next step. After we have realized that we're ignorant and we've sought out the knowledge and we've asked for understanding Uh, We do that because we are seeking to discern better, to make better decisions, okay? Let me show you how this works. Proverbs 9, uh, verse 10, says this, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. You cannot practice good judgment if you don't know what is true from what the Bible says. You can't. No possible way. Okay? If you figure out a way, you come, you come tell me and we'll talk about it. All right? Uh, I've searched this book for the last 10 years, and I can tell you, life experience and from reading this book, you ain't going to find it. You won't. All right? You may, you may by chance luck up on making a few good choices here and there, but in large part, you won't do like this verse says. Okay? It is the knowledge of God, who he is, and us understanding our relationship to him that causes us to understand that we are sinners, that draws us to the cross, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on it, because we want to be made right with God. Outside of that knowledge, you won't find God. Period. End of story. You won't. Okay? Because the Bible tells us, again, that the wisdom of man, uh, as a matter of fact, I think in 1 Corinthians um, First Corinthians, first chapter, somewhere between verses 18 and 27, it tells us that even the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. Okay? And that's saying something. Okay? Because nothing that God does is foolish. Okay? So, you know, you let that get in your soul and you figure that part out. But here's the reality. Like, you will not find God if you try to use this. You will only find God when you search for him with your whole heart. That's what the Bible teaches us. Okay? So, let's move on to uh, Proverbs chapter 5, starting at verse 1. The Bible says this. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel okay so the first part of this says to pay attention to my wisdom pay attention pay attention 
Every time that we come in here and uh, you know we prepare our hearts um, as we get ready to receive from the word, Pastor says to us that we need to block everything out. Even this morning, I, I, I told you guys to block everything out so that we could do this. Pay attention, okay? Pay attention to my wisdom. When God is speaking, you ought to assume everything is wise. And that is for you. Not for your neighbor, not for your spouse. It's for you. Okay? Pay attention to my wisdom. And then it says, listen carefully to my wise counsel. I told you before, there is a very big difference between hearing, which is reception of sound by your ears, and then the process of that sound going to your brain and your brain distinguishing it as noise, okay, and listening. Listening is intentional, okay, because when you listen, you have to lean in because you're trying to get something back. You're trying to learn something, okay? We have to listen to the wise counsel of God, okay? And we have to be intentional about getting something from it. That is why it's so important for us to block everything else out and make sure that we are committing ourselves to paying attention and listening carefully to the wisdom and the wise counsel of God. Okay? Uh, verse 2 uh, out of Proverbs 5 says this, Then, after you've done that, after you've committed to paying attention and to listening carefully to the, wi- the wise counsel of God, then you will show discernment. Only then, okay? Why? Because you've had a chance for it to sink into you. You've had a chance for that understanding to occur, and now you can make better decisions. And in this particular instance, it says, uh, you know, then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. Um, How many of you know sometimes, like, we don't say the wisest things either, right? But it says after we've gone through that process and we can discern, then we can express that discernment, okay, because of what we've learned, all right? Discernment. You know, it's funny. Like, it's very easy for us to get knowledge nowadays. I mean, you've got access to uh, an entire um, an entire online database of information at your fingertips, if you were to pull something up on your phone, and the depth of the, or excuse me, uh, the amount of that knowledge doubles every two and a half years. So I want you to think about that. Um, think about before the age of computers. Think about before the age of uh, uh, books, okay, when knowledge just had to be passed down by verbal communication. Um, back in ancient cultures, they would tell stories in order for those stories to be handed down from one generation to the next. Then uh, uh, someone figured out that they could write stuff down on walls or in books, and then that was the primary mode of communication and making sure that information was passed down. Then we got to a point where uh, you had the printing press uh, that was invented, and then you could widely distribute the information that was being written down and that was being cast by an author. Right, And now you have the information superhighway that we call the Internet, and there's a ton of information that goes on there every day. And that 
knowledge, that body of knowledge doubles every two and a half years. Every two and a half years. So everything that we know and has been captured digitally somehow is being doubled every two and a half years. And it's, the last time I looked into this was about two years ago. So something tells me that that, ha that number has changed and the time has shrunken in order for that to happen. Especially now that we have artificial intelligence that just came out back in November. Okay. You want to look at something scary? Look at that. that that's, <laughs> that's something else. Um, at any rate, so I say all that to say this, like we don't have a shortage of knowledge. We don't have a shortage of access to knowledge. What we do have is a shortage of discernment. And we do have a shortage of wisdom as a result. Because people have a hard time making a decision in an environment where there's so much information available to you because you have to be able to decide, is this legit or is this not legit? Is this for me? Is this not for me? Okay? And the problem is no one has the time to surf through all of that information and make an informed decision. Because who knows the quality of the information? Okay, the quality of the information is what will lead you to make a good decision or a bad decision. The quality of the information inside of that Bible that you have is infallible, okay? The quality of that information that God is providing us with is infallible. The quality of the wisdom that God is trying to share with us is immeasurable, okay? So when God is giving us knowledge, when God is giving us understanding, when God is giving us the power to discern, and he, when he is giving us the wisdom, ultimately, that will take us down the right path. Everything else, in the wind. Okay? So, um, let's move on now. Uh, we've said all that we've said to come up to this point, uh, and let's talk about the benefits of wisdom here. So if we go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, starting at verse 10, the Bible says this, Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. Okay? Let's pause there for a second. Uh, I don't know how many people have ever, like, done yard work before. And if you've ever tried to cut anything down with an axe that is not sharp, you're going to be there for a minute. That's like trying to chop it down with a spoon, okay? You might be there just as long, okay? Uh, it is so important for us to have a sharp blade on that device so that it makes it easier to cut through. And... Second part of this verse teaches us why. It says that this is the value of wisdom. It helps us to succeed. Okay? When we have good knowledge from God, when we have good understanding from God, when we have good discernment from God, we can demonstrate the wisdom of God, and there is value in it because it leads us to success. Because other than that, like, we can go through life and we can bang our heads left and right. <laughs> How many of you would agree that our heads are not that sharp? We can bang our head on the same problem over and 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 not get any closer to the solution. Why? Because in most cases, we're probably not applying the wisdom of God. I mean, that's it. And this is the value of wisdom because it can help us to succeed, okay? 
So that's one benefit of going on this path and achieving wisdom that we are more likely to be successful in that which we pursue. Okay? So let's go to Proverbs chapter 4, looking at verse 6, where the Bible says this. It says, don't turn your back on wisdom. <laughs> we can pause there. Uh, we do this too often. There are things that we know to be true from the word of God, and we're like, you know what, God? I noticed what you said, but I got this. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, and the thing is, God will let us trip over the same stump over, 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 and over again until we trust him and until we abide in his wisdom rather than our own. Okay? So it says, don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Okay? One of the other benefits is protection. Okay, you say protection from what? Um, can be protection from making bad choices. Okay? Can be protection uh, from going down the wrong path because you're following the wrong people. Okay? Can be protection from any number of things. Okay? But at the end of the day, like, we have to choose to stick with the wisdom of God, okay? Verse 7, it says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Why do we need to develop good judgment? Because, again, if we look at that path, it's the precursor to us being wise. It comes before we can demonstrate wisdom. Okay, but we got to be able to make good judgments based on what we understand from what we know to be true from the word of God. That's that path. And the reality is, like, we're all somewhere on that path. Okay, uh, with respect to different areas of our lives. Some of us are in the learning phase, so we're getting knowledge. Some of us are in the understanding phase. We're trying to understand what's happening with things. Some of us are in that discernment phase where we are making better decisions. And then some of us are just demonstrating the wisdom because we've gotten to that point. Okay? But all of us are on that line, on that path somewhere. Okay? Let's move on to uh, Proverbs 8. Uh, and we are going to look at verse 34. Yeah. Okay, it says, Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. So Proverbs chapter 8 um, is another one of these personifications. Okay? So this entire chapter is about wisdom the embodiment of wisdom speaking to men, okay? And it's telling, uh, uh, it's telling mankind that we are going to be blessed when we listen to wisdom, okay? It's telling us, all right, that 
we ought to be watching daily and waiting for wisdom to come and to teach us. Okay? So I said it before. You know, how intentional are we about being taught by God, by being given wise counsel? Like, sometimes that's a waiting process. Told you guys, we're, we're all on this path somewhere, right? Uh, some of us are in that season of learning and getting that knowledge. Some of us are in the understanding phase. Some of us short-circuit ourselves and go all the way back to ignorance. But all of it's a choice. We choose where we need to be on that continuum, okay? But at some point in time, like, you have to realize that you got to be intentional about seeking out wisdom and being where wisdom is going to be in order for you to be blessed. Let's go to verse 35. It says, for those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. Verse 36, but those who fail to find me, <laughs> those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. So this goes back to the whole issue of being foolish, being willfully ignorant, okay, and uh, uh, not wanting to commit yourself to that process of finding wisdom because it says all who fail to find me and we fail <laughs> we fail based on our own choices those who fail to find me harm themselves listen the world wants to harm you enough okay uh how many of you can agree that you know not everybody out there is for you, right? Um, you know, and if they had, had it to do, they would do you harm somehow. Like, there's enough harm going on out there in the world uh, for everybody to have boatloads of it. But here's the reality. Some of that is self-inflicted. And it's a sad reality because we make the choice to do it. This here says we can make the choice and we can fail and harm ourselves in the process, okay? But that's when you hate wisdom, you reject wisdom, that can draw you closer to God, okay? You make a willing choice to say, you know what, God? Okay, um, I heard you, but I'm going to do me. Worst words ever spoken. I'm going to do me. But people do it every day, right? All right, uh, last one, and then we'll go ahead and bring the choir up. Um, Proverbs chapter 9, um, looking at verse 11, the Bible says this, wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. Verse 12, if you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. So I asked uh, in the title of this message, 
uh, for us to consider. Are we living wisely? Are you living wisely? It's a real question. We've got to ask that all the time. Are you living wisely? Are you living in a way that is going to draw you closer to God or living in a way that's going to draw you further away from God? Because they're all a part of the same continuum. And the reality is, like, we can do one of three things. We can take steps in our own spirituality to draw closer to God. That's one. We can stop our movement toward God, or we can step back away from God. Are you living wisely? Are you living in a way that you are continually moving the right direction? You are continually moving towards God. That is not a question that I can answer for you. That's a question for you to consider between you and God. Okay? Uh, and the only way that we can uh, that we can truly be on or moving the right direction uh, is if we are intentional about seeking out the knowledge of God, intentional about getting the understanding that comes from God, intentional about getting the discernment, making better choices as a result of what we understand, what we know to be true from the word of God as we apply it to our lives, which makes us wise. That's it, y'all. Like, that's, 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 like, that's life. Every choice that you make will be one of two directions that you're going to travel, okay? You're either going to move closer to God or you're going to stop progress towards God and start moving backward, okay? Because here's the reality. Um, we are in this counterculture, um, and how many of you guys have ever seen The Chosen? Anybody ever seen The Chosen? Okay. A few of you all seen it. Okay. So in the intro to The Chosen, uh, they have these fish that are swimming one way, and then you see one of the fish, it turns around and starts swimming against the current, against uh, where the direction that every one of the other fish are, are, are going, okay? And this is the life of a Christian, okay? So when we come to know God, right, uh, we come to the understanding that we've been traveling the wrong direction, and we do an about-face, and we start moving towards God, and we start swimming against that current. That current is constantly drawing us back to the world, but we need to be moving towards God, and we've got to keep swimming that way. Right? So we have to understand the choices that we make in the moment are going to draw us closer to God or they're going to take us further away. If we stop, that current is still going to be pulling, and it's going to pull you back in the opposite direction, the way that you don't need to go. We have to be intentional about finishing, getting to God. And the only way that we do that is by continually swimming the same direction, making the choice to do so. Because it's easy to take the, 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 the hand off the steering wheel. It's easy to take the foot off the gas and start drifting back. That's not what we are called to do. We are called to live wisely. We are called to live carefully and to not live like fools and to live wisely. But that is our choice. God gives us that choice. We have to walk in the promise that he will deliver on that wisdom should we walk that way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us. 
Uh, we thank you so much for allowing us to know you better. Uh, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to learn from your word. We thank you so much for pouring into our lives and opening our eyes and our hearts to hear from you so that we can do better. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would continually draw us and help us to find the wisdom that you offer to us at a moment's notice. Lord, you said in your word that if we were to call upon you and we were to ask you, and if we were to diligently seek you, that we would find you. And we ask today that you help us to break the chains of everything that would draw us away from you and to allow us to move freely towards you. God, we pray that you continue to work on our hearts because that's what's going to direct our footsteps. And it's only by you changing our hearts that we can get there. Lord, we ask that you help us to understand and truly value the wisdom that you offer to us and that you give us the greatest desire, which is to find that above all things. Lord, we pray for each and every person that is here on this campus and, you help, and we ask that you help us to walk wisely. We ask that you help us to see your goodness in everything. We ask that you help us to conquer the areas where we struggle. We ask that you help us to be who you have called us to be. And Lord, we pray and we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. We thank you so much for Jesus and everything that he showed us and everything that he died for in order to give us life. God, we thank you. We love you, and we ask that you continue to work in us, on us, and through us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.